Talking into some food and having a nice conversation with me today are Judge of the Great British Sewing Bee, Patrick Grant, and psychologist Lucy Beresford, who will both be sharing with me their experience of tackling loneliness through community activities. This podcast was recorded prior to the current advice on social distancing. Whilst we don't know when we'll be able to socialise fully in person again, we still wanted to share some of the tips Patrick offered up so that those who've struggled with the loneliness of lockdown have some advice for how to reconnect with their communities when the time comes. The big virtual lunch will take place on the 6th and 7th of June. Find out more at thebiglunch.com. Hello listeners, thank you for joining us as we have a bit of food and conversation on another Big Lunch podcast. Tucking into some treats and topics today is the Great British Sewing Bees Patrick Grant and our resident psychological expert Lucy Beresford. How are you both doing today? Extremely well, thank you. Good, good. So Patrick, I have taken the liberty of getting you in some Indian snacks. I know that's your favourite contribution to take to gatherings at the moment. Well, I'm going to... I'm going to throw some statistics at you now. The Big Lunch conducted some research and they discovered 27% of people have never made friends with a neighbour. Uh, 72% of us will be open to striking up a friendship with a neighbour. And 66% of us will be open to striking up a conversation with a stranger. So this is clear, you know, you're, you're talking there about the Outer Hebrides, which is a, it's not a unique kind of community, but it's a certain kind of community that many of us don't live in because obviously most of us live in in cities or big towns. So we don't have those communal experiences, which is what the Big Lunch is all about. So Lucy, you know, it seems we want to put ourselves out there and present ourselves to people nearby who we don't know. So what, what might be stopping us? Well, you're right. Instinctively, we are group creatures and we kind of come onto this planet actually physically attached to another human being. But we're also very nervous, very self-conscious about getting things wrong. We are very afraid of rejection. We're very afraid of judgment. And all of those things crowd in on us and they can be the thing that we project onto other people, imagining that we're going to get some negative response. And also, I think people are worried about being a burden sometimes. They they might worry about being rejected, but even if they know that they've got friends or family that they can talk to, they don't because they worry that at some point they might have overstayed their welcome. They might have used up too much emotional capital with this person. So there's so much going on in our head that gets in the way of actually just having normal face-to-face communication. And I think what Patrick was talking about in terms of that shared activity, the activity stops our mind worrying about that, oh, I shouldn't say this, I, I better not interrupt. I, you just get on with your activity and then you're, it almost becomes like a displacement activity to allow your real communication to take place. So that feeling of, you know, the, or that, that phenomenon of feeling like, like you're a burden, so that's a, a, a modern aspect of, of humanity. I mean, when, when we were oh. living more communally, that kind of thing... Uh, no, not necessarily, because I think even when we lived more communally, in a funny way, we had we had different stresses, but they were very much to do with the fact that everybody knew everybody else's business. I mean, very few people moved away from the village. You married everybody in the village. Everybody knew everybody else's business. And therefore, you, you could have sort of superficial gossip. But if you had a real problem, you would never have really disclosed that because everybody would get to know about it or everybody would know that you'd gone to speak to the one that everybody talked to. It it was, it had a different pressure. So no, I think um, not wanting, and I tell you what is also happening um, 
to make us think that we're a burden is that just the natural role of parenting is that you know obviously in the beginning your parents look after you or your caregivers look after you 24 7 and then gradually over time ideally they they take a step back and you know you sleep through the night or you're allowed to, you can eat your own food so the natural rhythm of life is that you become more independent and as a result of that we learn perhaps an incomplete lesson which is we we mustn't burden the other person. We mustn't ever go back to a stage where we're reliant on someone 24-7 because that's somehow, that's not the natural order of things. So naturally, we are group and orientated as a species, but yet we can feel like a burden to the people we want to be part of, mm-hmm. you know, the people who, who we're in a group with. So it's quite a complex Balancing us. Human beings it? are very complex. And oh. as you, you know, we are group creatures, but some of us are extroverts, some of us are introverts, some of us are introverted extroverts or extroverted introverts. And all of those, all of that beautiful colour and tapestry of, um, of life, really, then intrudes on what could be a very straightforward um, situation, which is, you know, two human beings enjoying each other's company. Because Loneliness is um, it's quite a hot topic. There's a minister for loneliness and, you know, some of the statistics around how lonely people feel are pretty alarming and it seems to be quite a modern phenomenon. Now, when it comes to getting out there and meeting people, I, I play football on Tuesday and I would say that it is probably, well, almost definitely the funnest part of my week and I, ca- I cannot wait. So when I can't play um I, I can get quite tetchy and a little bit grumpy. But have you got any tips for getting out there and meeting people, Patrick? Well, I'm I'm very fortunate. I live on a I live on a a nineteen sixties cul de sac. So there are fifteen houses in in two little terraces on a you know on a a, a loop. So there's no through traffic and and and. Interestingly, because it's only 15 houses, it feels like a community already. And my my mum and dad's house when I was growing up was exactly that setup. Yeah. So exa- I, I know exactly, I can picture it. I yeah. know exactly what you Garages mean. Garages on the ground floor. Yes, yes, yes. You know, uh, and and I think because, because there is a limit, you know, we are on our own little street and there are only a set number of houses. And there are a couple of, couple of ladies who live th- three and four doors down from me who have lived in the same house since it was built in 1965. Um there is a real sense of community there and everybody we do you know we do know each other and we get together and we have you know we have a we have various we have a street party every year but there is a real sense of community and everybody kind of pops into each other's houses and helps each other out and you know we borrow things and my next door neighbor came and helped me put up a shelf yesterday and and it feels very different from some of the other experiences I've had in living in cities where you do feel very disconnected, but I mean, I think you know, I'm I'm a, a naturally outgoing person, and I I'm happy to strike up conversations with anybody. I mean, I, I used to live in Liverpool, and I don't know if you've spent much time there, but you know, you can't walk through the streets of Liverpool without somebody starting a conversation with you about something. Just a random you know member of the public will stop you and tell you something that's in their mind. I mean, some places are naturally more open to conversation than than others, and Liverpool is one of those. But um. I don't know if I have any tips because I, I mean, I'm a I, I'm somebody who naturally happily strikes up a, a conversation about anything, and I yeah. and I and I don't feel that guilt about asking people to. I, mean, I felt no guilt at all about asking my neighbour to help me put up a <laughs> shelf because he's a builder. Well, actually, it's my neighbour's dad, but. Um, 
Um, I think that is the thing, though, is sometimes we have that mental barrier that we've somehow got to put ourselves out there and that it is a bit awkward. But sometimes you, it is about recognising that lots of other people will feel anxious as well and to just take the plunge because anything new feels a bit scary until you've done it once. So just do it once. Just say to yourself... I don't have to do this ever again. I'm just going to do it once. And it's a little bit like the big lunch in that many people will, this will be maybe the first time that they've organised an event or they've organised a lunch or they've tried to get people together. Just always remember that the big lunch, for example, is very scalable. So you don't have to say, right, I'm going to organise a big lunch for 2,000 people. (laughs) You say, I'm going to do this for four people. I'm going to do it for the people who live on my left and the people who live on my right. And just to break it down, I think that the tip I would give is to make it manageable for yourself in terms of putting your out there don't say I'm going to join a choir and I'm going to be best friends with all the people and we're going to put on you know Handel's Messiah in three weeks you wouldn't do that you would say I'm just going to pitch up to the choir see what it's like I did that you know I went to a a Christmas carol concert I thought the choir was really good the um, conductor was very good looking I went over to him and I said "Um, so how you know how do you join the choir and it turned out that the choir met once a month very doable and they only met for the 45 minutes before Evensong so again infinitely doable I'm not having to learn loads of music Um, so it was baby steps the whole time and I think similarly with the big lunch it's like don't pardon the pun don't bite off more than you can chew but actually make it something that works for you as much as it works for your community because I was thinking about this you and I've talked a lot on various podcasts about you know how to make good conversation and the one thing that really um, makes a great conversation for me is passion And if someone is talking to me with passion about whether it's sewing, whether it's about Welsh cakes, I am going to be excited. I am going to be curious about what you're telling me. Yeah. The conversation will flow. I've heard people, I've had conversations where I'm talking to people and they are, you know, with with some degree of passion, talking to me about a band I don't even like. But I quite I quite (laughs) like that. You get swept away. Yeah. So a friend of mine's really into metal, like really extreme metal, which isn't a music I'm particularly fond of. But he talks about it like it is the most important thing in the world. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> I just think it's fantastic. So so your advice, I suppose, Lucy, would be to be the change, to to get out there and 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 give it a, take these baby steps and give it a go. Yes, because you see, um with my radio show, I think a lot of people got in touch to talk about the loneliness, either loneliness in a marriage, loneliness in because they were single, loneliness because they'd been bereaved, or because they just moved to a particular part of the country and they didn't have very many friends. And I think, again, this, this idea is that you could actually be the change you want to be, to be the community you want, does involve you actually taking that first step doing something about it but even if it's just about you know working in a charity shop or something working in a cafe or talking to people in a cafe that's you know where the cafe is already in existence it's just about sometimes and I, I do appreciate though that of course some people are housebound and loneliness can often be um, as a result of you being disconnected from your community physically, whether you're an elderly person, perhaps somebody who's unwell, or maybe you're a new mum and you're or a new dad and you're at home with the baby. And that that's a it's all loneliness, it's all part of it. But if you can go out there and maybe initiate a conversation with someone else, you'll be surprised what comes back at you. Yes, absolutely. I'm I mean I've got two young kids. 
and uh, my partner and I, we've tried to split the childcare. But when it's been a day with, uh, and it's just me and my son, who's obviously 30 months old, obviously doesn't speak. When Izzy comes home, I'm like, la, la, la! <laughs> because you've got, Talk to me. Yeah, you've got 12 hours of pent up conversation to try and get and off I, your chest. I think what people often say, oh, I couldn't do that. You know, I just, that's not me. I couldn't really talk to a stranger. Um, but I think if you think of it in terms of you're doing this for your future self, you're doing it so that your future self has a new companion or has had a new experience that day, you might never see that person again. One way that I often get through a situation where maybe I don't know anybody and I'm just thinking, oh, this is a bit intimidating. I often do say to myself, this person won't know who I am and it doesn't really matter. I'll never see them again. So I just carry on having a conversation. I think I am, I'm a little bit like Patrick. I'm quite curious about other people. No, I'm very nosy about other people. (laughs) And um, I just like finding out about them. And I think that maybe just being a bit curious, asking yourself to be a bit curious about other people is, is a brilliant way of, Starting a conversation. Yeah, because we all, we know each other, we know ourselves. So I always think so other people are so much more interesting than me <laughs> <laughs> because I'm well aware of what I'm like. Um, something that uh, the Big Lunch has discovered is that unfortunately because of convenience culture, modern convenience culture, it's stopping us from connecting. So one in 10 people, was well, 13% in fact, of 18 to 34-year-olds have said that apps such as food delivery services have contributed to going for long periods of time without talking to people in person. So, Patrick, you know, you have a tailor's shop. So what are the benefits you see of when people actually come in and have something made rather than, you know, buying it online, for instance? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a lovely opportunity to have... Have, have a bit of time where you kind of step away from, you know, the connectedness of your phone or whatever smart device you might have. You might have an incredibly busy job. But when you, when you come into our shop, you know, you, you, you get to indulge in a conversation about clothing, which presumably if you're coming to us is something that you care about. I mean, you wouldn't be spending all that money on a handmade suit if you didn't care about your clothes. Creating a sense of community. I used to love going shopping for clothes. I used to spend about seven hours on a Saturday in one shop in Liverpool when I lived there. And I would, you know, would just talk about clothes all day with other people who love talking about clothes. I mean, the great thing about going to a shop is most people that work in clothes shops love clothes. If you like clothes, you go to that clothes shop and you have a great conversation with passionate people who love the subject. You're passionate about it. They're passionate. You bore each other senseless on clothes. You know, you're partners and your friends might not have any interest and most of mine didn't but I could go to the shop and you know indulge myself in this so Lucy obviously not everyone can have a handmade suit (laughs) made for them um as a way of breaking the ice have you got any tips for someone um have you got any tips for listeners that might not involve you know going (laughs) having your inside leg measured well, I mean, this is where the big lunch comes in, is that actually it gives you the opportunity to create your own community with a discussion. Uh, and you have to, and, and don't forget, it doesn't have to be something that you do every week. It's, it could actually be a one-off, but it might actually show you that you've got great organisational skills or that you really bond with some neighbours. I think sometimes it is about owning your confidence space, even if inside you don't feel it. Um, But also at the same time, just check out what is actually out there in your community. Try and find little areas, maybe in your cafe, maybe there's a quiz night at the local pub, maybe there is a bell ringing group or um, a book club that you could either join or talk to some people about setting up, um, just to make sure that you're 
life has some things in it that you're really passionate about um, because that's when you'll actually start to have conversations effortlessly. Great. Effortlessly. Well, I mean, I think something as simple, you know, in our, in our industry, we're looking at trying to find ways to to reduce the footprint of all you know, the, the clothing production in the world. And one of the big things at the moment is clothes swaps. And I remember as a kid, you know, all of my school uniform came from the school exchange. So I would, my parents would take me down there and we'd buy something that had already had three or four different children inside it and I'd get it and I'd wear it and then we'd bring it back and swap it over. I mean, something as simple as just doing a little neighbourhood clothes swap what might be a, an interesting way to start a conversation. You bring some clothes, bring some food, sit down, you swap, you don't swap. You know, simple things like that. Where, and you can have a conversation about the clothes and the stories behind them and where you bought them and why, you know, the, 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 the places they've been and, you know, the, the sort of stories that, you know, clothes develop stories over time. They kind of, you know, they, they, they pick up the kind of story of their life. And again, the longer you have them, the more interesting they become. But I think anything like that where you're, you know, doing a bit of good for the planet, doing some good for your neighbours, because, you know, everybody wants to have something new every once in a while in their clothing world. And very, very simple. You know, no money needs to change hands. It just needs to be a simple a simple exchange of something unwanted for something that's wanted. Well, Patrick, thank you. That is brilliant advice. So um, thank you very much for coming in today, and to you, Lucy, as well, of course. Pleasure. I hope you both continue to have a great time taking part in your community projects and activities. And listeners, I look forward to getting together with you all again very soon next time on The Big Lunch. Don't forget to find out more information about The Big Lunch and holding your own one at thebiglunch.com and please do get chatting with the people around you because it's a lot of fun. Next week, Chef Mira Manek will be talking through the emotions that foods can inspire in us and Lucy is back to give us more psychological insight. 